Hey everyone, producer Dave here. Uh, check out our other podcasts. We have The Plex, our flagship show, which is a weekly news roundup. We have Local Love, which is interviews with local Bay Area bands. Uh, speaking of local, we also have Down Ballot, which is our Bay Area local news podcast. And we have How the Tech Are You, which is obviously a tech podcast. Enjoy the show. Just to let you know, Echoplex, most of the people that's on your channel are all sock accounts. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I got everything I need I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee Just like my straight white male dad did to me So if I see a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly On the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I've got all the luck I need. Shit's gonna work out for me. Cause I'm a straight white male in America. I've got all the luck I need. Hey everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. This is the flagship podcast of Comcast claiming they fixed my internet so we might not have any dropouts tonight that'd be fantastic anyway you can find this podcast on any podcatcher if you're uh have a podcatcher that you like and we're not on there please email me and let me know uh emails of course in the show notes you can support this project by going to echoplexmedia.com and clicking the support tab of course the best way a couple best ways one is buying merch like this tinfoil hat i'm wearing the other is just supporting the project via memberships over via fourth wall. That's uh, eplex.store. And if you're a Patreon user and don't want to sign up for yet another thing, I understand patreon.com slash echoplex. I am producer Dave. You can find me on Grindr. <laughs> We're going to continue. We just added someone to our cast of characters here for the intellectual dollar tree. His name is Andrew Gold. Uh, we came across him while we were trying to cover another story or while we did cover another story, people who've been watching the channel know about our, um, discussions of a certain anti-Scientology influencer. Well, this, that's how we found this Andrew Gold guy. Um, my understanding is that he claims he was fired from the BBC, uh, when in fact he never worked for the BBC. Uh, he may have had a, a documentary that they purchased at one point. Um, Though I could have a complete misunderstanding here, but we do know that 
for the intellectual dark web type people, you do have to claim to have been canceled from some kind of legacy institution. So that's his IDW cred. Uh, he'll be interviewing a crotchety old man, uh, Richard Dawkins. So this will be the, uh, we'll call this the Transpanic Power Hour. And uh, no time like the present to get going, I suppose. Sorry about this. I'm with Richard Dawkins today, the preeminent evolutionary biologist. Richard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Good, good. I spoke to David Bedil yesterday. He's got a new book out called, and I, I, I was interviewing him, and I accidentally started the podcast by saying, David Bedil, who wrote The, the God Delusion. And he went, <laughs> no, stop, I'll stop you there. It's the, the God Desire. Have you come across it? I've come across him, I think, but I would anyway carry on. One of the things I discussed with David is he was talking about where he differs from you because you're both uh, atheists and he writes about atheism. Uh, and he said that he believes sometimes there's sort of a macho thing going on in atheism where we say we're not scared of certain things. Ricky Gervais, for example, and I've, I've heard you say uh, about the afterlife, you know, I, I was not alone. Not being afraid of the afterlife isn't macho. So it doesn't bother me. Is that how you really feel or is it something you have to say to yourself for comfort? It's something I feel. I, I don't think of it as macho. I mean, it's just it's just rational, actually. I mean, I think I probably quoted Mark Twain uh, saying, I was dead for billions of years before I was born and never suffered the smallest inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, David, I think he quoted Bertrand Russell, who said a similar thing uh, along the line, which, which is what he was saying was much. Just, so, I think. just fun fact, a lot of things that are uh, attributed to Samuel Clem Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain, are apocryphal, and he didn't say it. I don't know if the one Dawkins uh, just brought up is. I think he did say that. But you, anytime you see a Mark Twain quote on the internet, you should be highly skeptical of that. It's a 50-50 shot, maybe, that he never said it. Um, about the scorn for people who feared death. Yeah, Bertrand Russell said, when I die, I shall rot, and nothing of my ego shall survive. I'm not a young man, and I love life, but I would scorn to shiver with terror at the thought of annihilation. That's, a liter that's an exact quote from Bertrand Russell. How do you have these? I don't have many. Don't <laughs> I mean, people remember things, I, I, Andrew. It's, it's not it complicated. Before, and I already forgot half the words. So it's just the way different minds work, I suppose. Mine doesn't work quite so well. But David was saying, you know, he, well, he does fear the, the death, <laughs> the afterlife, and, uh, or no afterlife, I should say. And the fact that, I guess his point was, right now, I am alive and I do feel things. So right now, I do fear that there'll be nothing afterwards. Yes, it's very understandable. Um, um, we have to live in the moment because when we're dead, we we don't exist at all. This is like There's pouring old, fucking there. ten years ago, new um, atheist crap. So far, uh, because you, um, if you love life, as Bertrand Russell said he did, and I do, then it's very sad to to miss life. It's very sad to miss out if you're a scientist on all the things that, that are going to happen. I mean, it's, things are developing all the time and uh, it would be wonderful to know what people will know in 500 years' time. That would be a, a supremely interesting thing. Um, and so it is sad to miss that. Yeah. I, it actually keeps me up at night. So I had this whole existential crisis talking to David Bedil yesterday, just thinking, what can I... What can I think of that will comfort me in this? And I what? Guess Get the fuck out of here, drama queen. That's what I mean when I say, so Ricky Gervais also says that, you know, I was, I was dead for millions of years before, I'd be dead for eternity yes. after. It doesn't, doesn't work for me to comfort me. Have you yes, got anything? Yes, yes. I, 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 I mean, what really. works for me is when you're dead, you won't, probably won't know it. 
<laughs> you won't you won't be around to notice no <laughs> um i just don't think there's any point in being comforted by a lie uh, um no. so, so better face up to the truth really. <laughs> if you could inject a serum into your mind or something that would make you believe the lie just for comfort's sake would you do that no i don't think so um i i, I think an interesting question and um uh Make me believe a lie, no. Um, make me not worry about a truth that worries me about it, that I worry about at present, yes, I think. It, if, if, say, um, uh, I can't think of an example, but, but, but I, I could imagine um, being frightened of something or being um, upset about something and, and a, a drug that you inject that makes you no longer upset, but I don't think I'd want a drug that made me believe a falsehood. Hmm. I suppose that's a bit Brave New World with the soma that they put into. It's a very good parallel, yes. Ah. Uh, and and the um, the this savage in Brave New World actually had this argument with the world controller Mustafa Mond, um, where the savage was saying Shakespeare's good, and Mustafa Mond was saying yes, but the downside of that is is you have all the terrible. Um, emotions and sadness and 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 things that you get in in Hamlet and and Othello and Romeo and Juliet, um, and yeah, but that's and like a, that's like a movie. It's like why people enjoy entertainment and fiction. This is like this is like really really like masquerading as intelligent conversation here. That's why I just don't pretend to have intelligent conversations. If I have intelligent, interesting, or philosophical conversations, it's completely by accident. It was saying. That's what I want. And Mustafa Mon said, you're welcome. When I read that as a teenager, I was on the side of the savage going, yeah, Shakespeare's great and all this yes. stuff. And I reread it recently and I found myself a little less clear on where yes, I stand. Because yes. I thought, gosh, I, I do worry a lot and it would be nice to just take a drug yes, and be fine. Yes, 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 I can see that. Mm. But you wouldn't take that one that makes you believe there's an afterlife. I wouldn't want one that made me believe in a falsehood. I, I, I might make one take one that make, makes me not worry about something i do worry about a lot of my viewers and subscribers i do believe in an afterlife they believe in religions and things because this channel primarily at the moment we focus on cults and things like scientology often they'll say i can't believe people believe in lord xenu from scientology but uh, but the real god is our lord and jesus and things like that i don't but want to be to fair at scientology xenu is the bad guy they don't have like a, an imaginary friend or whatever they have an imaginary enemy those people of course who are watching and might be interested uh but one thing i was wondering and i think you actually there was a recent interview you did with piers morgan and you sort of touched on it i think it felt like you didn't really believe that he believed that there's this afterlife and god and things like that and i, I said that, that yes yeah how do you well that's awfully you... fucking shitty like if somebody tells me they believe in god and the afterlife and shit i just gotta take their word for it because like who am i to tell somebody else what they believe think they don't deep down believe it I, I can't speak for them but in the abstract um something made me think piers morgan didn't believe i think piers morgan's a fool um <laughs> so um, i'm not really much interested in what he believes actually well then why'd you go on his show i bet he didn't did, did he call piers morgan a fool on his show i don't like piers morgan but i don't think he's a dummy i just don't like him Oh, you said something similar off air, and I didn't think you might you would repeat well. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he definitely interrupts a lot, doesn't he? 
Are you sure? You can say that again. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. When I've had people on to talk to me, like via Discord or whatever, or when I've interviewed people who I disagree with, I interview. I interrupted them a lot. I, I think even if anybody was here for the time I interviewed the guy who um, believed he used a track phone to speak to ghosts, I interviewed him. I interrupted him plenty to try to get clarification on what the shit he was talking about. But I had a great time talking to him. He seemed super nice, and we had a, we had a fun conversation. Um, so okay, so you think he doesn't? Oh, I don't know. So maybe he's playing to his, or some people might play to their spectators. By there, there may, there's maybe plenty of people who play, play to their audience, yes. And yeah. suggest they have a belief in spirituality, yeah, God, yes, and things like yes. that. Man, I always wondered that. I, I suppose there's so many examples of, of people who, who are religious, but when they're about to die, again, I remember now Piers Morgan was saying, doesn't it give you comfort thinking that they're going to the afterlife of friends of yours and things? But people don't. People are terribly depressed when their friends die. If they really did believe it, then then they'd be saying things like, um, oh, oh, you're going to die. Good for you. Yeah. But there are people who, after someone dies, if you go to a funeral or whatever, they're like, oh, they're in a better place now. I remember, like, fucking, it's a good thing I didn't go to any or many funerals, like, 15 years ago when I was one of those shitty atheist types. Because I'd have been like, I would have said something, but it, like, makes somebody feel better to think that someone's in heaven or whatever. Like, people do believe that that their loved ones went to a a better place. That's fine. They can believe that. It doesn't hurt anybody. Uncle Charles, when you see him, (laughs) I'll come with. Yes. Yeah. How fantastic. I wonder if belief is sometimes, um, you've seen my exorcism film, and I do work on cults and things like that. Do you think belief might be... uh, you don't really do work on cults, Andrew. You interview former Scientologists and people from the anti-Scientology community. That's not really doing work on cults. You're, you're a talk show host, which is a fine thing to be. I'm a talk show host. So of course, it's a coping mechanism for the afterlife and not knowing what's happening when we die. Uh, but is it also, for some people, an excuse to do terrible things? In what way? If I believe that there's a, a God and I'm working for him, I can... Oh, of course, yes. Hmm. I mean, if you really, really believe that your God wants you to kill infidels, and some do, and they really, really believe it, that is very dangerous, of course. Yeah. Do you think there's something about the human need to believe in these things? Like, what is it about us that makes us believe? I don't understand why something that you can call a need to believe or getting comfort from belief actually makes you believe you can't will yourself to believe something either either you believe in you can talk yourself into believing something yeah i I want to believe like you're 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 always talking yourself into shit i don't know what yeah i mean like maybe something so fundamental as that it might be harder to talk yourself into believing it but yeah i think we talk ourselves into believing all kind of shit i'm talking myself into believing something right now i do (laughs) Um, if the evidence doesn't support it, how can you believe it? Well, people often bring up Pascal's wager, don't they? And they say... Well, ridiculous, yes. <laughs> I've, I get told it all the time, like, you might as well believe because then you can go... And it's like, do your beliefs work that way that you can just make yourself believe a thing? Well, that's, of course, one point. You can't make... But that's somebody believe. probably, when someone says that, that's somebody who already does believe and they're trying to give you a justification for their belief. They're not necessarily trying to convince you to believe. Something and, and the other thing about plenty of things about Pascal's wager. Another thing is maybe it's the wrong god. I mean, you get up there and discover he's Baal or, 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 or Mithras or, or Piers Morgan. Or, or, well, no. um, <laughs> sit so, me, I'm no, God. Um, and, and also, e- even if it was, even if it the god you think you you're sucking up to, what kind of a good god would reward you for sucking up in that way rather than actually being rational? This guy ever had a shitty boss as well. 
I, I, if there was, if there's a God, he doesn't want me to be on my knees doing all this pious, boring stuff. No. <laughs> I don't know. At what point in your life did you realise you were an atheist? About 15. Do you remember what, what made that happen? Well, understanding Darwinism. Well, I think that's fair enough. At some stage... This is like heavily past. edited, but don't like a lot of religious people just uh, say that God is the, the reason for uh, evolution by natural selection, that that's the way that God created the universe? that God created the universe with properties such that evolution by natural selection is possible. There's that's not even quite the intelligent design argument, but I've definitely heard people say, well, God just made evolution happen. I mean, that's how, that's how a God works. It fucking, it does everything and it does nothing. Every animal who ever lived belonged to the same species as its parent. Yet you are descended from a fish. Yes. <laughs> Can you explain well, that's that? absolutely true. Um, you are descended from a fish. So if you go back and back and back and back and back far enough, you'll come to a fish. And yet, every single generation is the same species as the I'm previous still a generation. Fish. The, the change is so gradual. So it's like when you change from a child to a teenager to an adult to a middle age to an old. Um, you there's no one day when you say I've stopped being middle aged now. My my birthday's come and I'm now old, or I've stopped being a teenager. Actually, well, that's the one case where legally you 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 can say that I've I'm now reached voting age, which is a fiction, of course. Um, but actually, it's a gradual change all the way through, from embryo to baby to infant to toddler to etc. And um, so there's no one moment when you change from one one of these states to another. And exactly the same in our ancestry. There's no one moment when any species changes into another species. It happens all gradually. So, if, But if you take that gradual process back and back and back far enough, you'll come to a fish. That's amazing. Was there then... That's amazing. And I'm being slightly facetious when I ask, because I don't know enough about it, but was there then one fish and then the fish's son had like half a leg and then like a tiny bit of a leg and, and so on? Well, <laughs> kind of, uh, yes. Uh, okay, I, I wouldn't put it like that, but but yeah. sort of, yes. Sort of. How? What is, how is, what is how this? Would you put it? How did it happen? Well, the, 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 there was a group of of fish, um, uh, which, which which did do, which did have fins, which which were kind of like legs, and which were evolved into into legs. Um, and the modern relations of those fish are lungfish and. Um, and um, coelacanths, and uh, they um, were a, a group of fish on, on their own. They were once rather widespread, and now they're rather rare, except that we are descended from them. And they were fish who, whose fins became, became leg-like, leg and, and they emerged onto the land, and, and their fins turned into legs. Uh, and you can trace the actual bones which became the humerus and the radius and the ulna and the femur and, and, and the tibia and the fibula. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so, so that's pretty much what, what happened. But it happened so gradually, you would never have had a, there would never have been a moment when you said, oh, there's no longer a fish. I find that's fascinating. And it, it, it really, but it's logically necessary. It's not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not revealing to you any facts. It's just once you accept it, well, that's, uh, that of course is a fact, but once you've, once you've accepted that, then what I've just said has to follow. And then religion as, as we know it and those kinds of beliefs can't then follow. Well, that's a separate issue. Yeah. Well, well no, the, the, there's plenty of, that's the thing is there's plenty of people who are religious who also uh, understand uh, the theory of evolution via natural selection. They just compartmentalize. It's fine. People do it all the time. People do it with all kinds of different beliefs. 
that then are there other kinds of magical thinking and thinking particularly of uh what's oh, here we go with sort of maori uh, new zealand language is that um another kind of sort of the, the so-called postmodernism is well, that? Uh, I think you're alluding to a controversy which has arisen in New Zealand recently. So-called postmodernism. This is great. Here we go. We're going to get into the part where people who don't know what the fuck postmodernism is talk about anything they don't like being postmodern. Which I got, got involved in because I was in New Zealand, where the New Zealand government is trying to push the idea that Maori, quote, quote ways of knowing should be taught in science classes. And it's this sort of bending over backwards to be, be nice to an indigenous minority. Um, and um, of course you need to, you, my, my view is of course you need to teach the mythology of the country in which you live, and that's important, as mythology, but not as science. And it's Well, maybe you teach it as history or uh, cultural anthropology or something like that. And muddling to New Zealand children to teach them, on the one hand, to teach them what we know about the origin of the universe and the origin of the, of the world, uh, and we know quite a lot, not, not everything, um, and at the same time to say that it's, it's because of the... I'd suggest to you we really don't know much about the origin of the fucking universe. I think that's a pretty big statement there. Sky Father and the Earth Mother and, and stuff like that, which is pure mythology. Yeah, I think you were saying that there are, you, you wrote that there are some bits that we can, some good bits we can take from Maori. Well, of course you can, I and mean, you can take some bits from it from any any cultures, folk beliefs, and but there's but there's no particular reason why you should take the folk mythology of of one people any more than any other. I mean, scientific knowledge is unique and it's worldwide. It's, they, they wrongly categorize it as Western. It's not Western at all. It belongs to all of humanity. Science is the way we know about the truth. Science is equipped with, has equipped itself with mechanisms for avoiding self-deception, subjective judgment. So um, the only approach to the truth is the scientific way, and that belongs to all humanity and is not, not to be regarded as, um, I think you just mentioned postmodernism just now, um, not to be regarded as the property of one particular cultural group. It reminds me of, I had a Professor John McWhorter, he came on to oh, talk, yes. the linguist, to talk about the Sapir Whorf um, uh, hypothesis, the idea that uh, language can shape uh, feelings and, yes. and almost give you superpowers to an extent. You know, there's a, a tribe in Australia that apparently can use like a GPS in their head, a satellite navigation, because they use west and north and east instead of left and right. It's it's all a bit wishy-washy. Um, and a lot of people in linguistics... Well, it's not like a GPS. That it's that they, they sort of have... <clears throat> I bet it doesn't work if you drop them like somewhere they're, <coughs> they're not familiar with. They're probably using uh, landmarks or like where they think or they believe a landmark to be to kind of indicate like, okay, well, that thing is to my west. And then but if you know what's to your west, you can from that determine north, south and east. That uh, look at all these other languages that that's bestow us with superpowers and they're better languages. And John McWhorter said the problem with that kind of talk is we have to then say that there are also things in our language that are better clearly than in other languages, and nobody wants to do that yeah, in academia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is yes. that a problem you find in academia in general? Uh, yes, I, I I wasn't aware of that particular. I I, I read some of John McWhorter, but but I wasn't aware of that. It sounds very interesting. Mm, he's great. Yeah. Yes. So do you do you come up against? I mean, do you have colleagues and professors who you, who you think? Gosh, wait, is Richard Dawkins even still in academia? I thought he was like retired and was just like on the, has been on the speaking circuit for a very long time. 
towing to this kind of, I suppose it's woke is a word that no one likes to use these days, but that kind of thing. I don't have many colleagues who do, but, but I read about them. Yeah. Well, fair, yeah, fair enough. Does it, is it, is that something that should be put in the sort of beliefs box alongside belief in a deity? Well, you'd have to specify what exactly what you mean, but I'm inclined to think yes. Um, I don't, what do you mean? Like when they say woke, well, you'd have to specify what you mean, but also yes. All right, dude. I mean, it is a religion in all respects, um, but there are similarities. It, it, it's not supernatural, but 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 um, things like um, oh, let's go, everybody! It's going to be trans people. He's going to go after trans people. Watch the well, the collective guilt which white people. Oh no, he's going with white guilt. Oh, out of left field. <laughs> Oh God, I I don't even like the term guilt being used there. It's just a, an acknowledgement of history, an acknowledgement of like what has happened in your society if you live in a country that people consider to be a white country. And it's that um, we probably weren't here first and we did a bunch of bad shit to the people that were here. And in America for a very long time, we were even fucking importing people over here because we didn't want to do the hard jobs. And we also didn't want to pay the people that we wanted to have come over to do the hard jobs. Uh, do I feel personally guilty about that? No. Uh, but do I acknowledge that that was a big fucking problem and the um, there's a ripple effect into the from the past to the present and into the future from that having happened? Absolutely. And uh, if in whatever way I can, can, should I work to try to remedy those things? Fuck yeah. I can't do much as an individual, but maybe as, as groups, we certainly can. Encouraged to feel about the dark past of slavery and things has a very strong resonance with original sin the Christian doctrine that we're all born in. I mean, that is America's original sin. If you want to get fucking technical about it. Yeah. Slavery is America. The United States of America's original sin. Does it mean the same thing as like uh, sin in the Bible or sin in Christian religion? Um, not really, but it's just that you've taken the supernatural part out and, and, and where the supernatural, the supernatural thing existed was actually a fucking real problem the sin of adam we inherit the sin of adam um adam never existed but and they know that but nevertheless still talk about it as as original sin so that there there is uh, that i think john mcwater has actually made that analogy i i, I believe he has hmm. uh, if he hasn't i have anyway <laughs> um a lot of people in america have referred to slavery as the original sin of this country Going way back before fucking John McWhorter and maybe even Richard Dawkins were even alive. Um, and um, so that, that's a powerful analogy to religion. Um, I think, all, yes. Well, also, um, the, the belief that you can become a woman by saying you're a woman. And so even, even if you have the anatomy of... Ah, I knew the transphobia was coming. I knew the fucking transphobia was coming. Penis and scrotum and things. You... By simply standing up and saying, I am a woman, you become a woman. That's very like uh, the Catholic doctrine that by a priest blessing bread and wine, it becomes the body and blood of Christ. And the, the, the Catholic theological justification for that is the Aristotelian distinction between the essence um, of, of something, the, su the, 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 the true substance, and the accidentals. And they, the, the, the fact that wine remains an alcoholic liquid 
is just its accidentals and the, the true substance has becomes the blood of Christ. And that's, that's very like saying, um, the accidentals of my body is male, but the true, the true substance is I'm a female because I declare myself to be female. So that, that's an, another an analogy with, in this case, Christianity. So this guy's, they, they always do this. He's conflating what he believes is uh, biological or anatomical um, maleness and femaleness with the social construction of uh, men and women in society. Suggest that Christianity, there's something about Christianity that is innate to our evolutionary psychology, the, that original sin, for example. I don't know about that. You're probably thinking of some sort of Jungian archetype. There. <laughs> I, I, um, I suppose it's just it's just possible. Um, I wouldn't want to pursue that too far. I don't think. I quite like the concept of the status game by uh, Will Store, this writer who I admire very much. Who he and, and I think he just sort of popularised this idea that there are three main kinds of status, um, and we all seek it in tribes. It's evolutionary psychology, and, and you might tell me this is this is nonsense. I don't know because I, I don't know much about this stuff. But um, but were you talking to somebody who is an expert in the in that particular field? And now you're asking somebody who's. Uh, um, an expert in a completely different field to tell you if that, that's nonsense. This is crazy. Well, one would be uh, dominance. You seek dominance because if you're the most dominant in the tribe, you'll get food um, and yes. shelter. And I think that, that that sort of thing is plausible. And, mm, okay. and I think that um, that's the kind of good thing that we can get out of evolutionary psychology, yes. Uh, yeah, I find that fascinating. Yes. And success is another one. If you invented the wheel, they're going to give you some food and shelter. Yes. And then if you're not successful or dominant, you resort to the third one, which is virtue. And you don't have to be a virtuous person. You just have to show the rest of the tribe that you are virtuous. Yes. Does that ring true to you? Yes, it does, yeah. Hmm. I, I wonder if, if, so if that's just... But aren't those first two things... So well, dominance may not be a virtue, but being good at something is a virtue obvious it doesn't work so if somebody's trying to be if someone's too obvious about trying to be virtuous in that tribe you would all just go get out of here right? yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so i don't know so i wonder if virtue signaling is part of our evolutionary psychology and maybe and maybe magical thinking as well to an extent did that help us survive i think virtue signaling could be uh, magical thinking um i suppose it it could you could get status by getting a reputation as a as a magician is able to communicate. Magicians are cool as fuck, actually. Everybody knows they're not really doing magic and that shit's still cool as fuck. So something. <laughs> That's true. A witch doctor. or How do you get status then? Because we all have, if we all seek it, and I don't think you do by virtue, would it be success? What What is it? What does that, did that drive you over the years? I've heard you mention physics envy. I know you're not a physicist. Well, I've never said that I suffer from physics envy myself, I don't no. think, but it, it it's a witticism which I a tribute to Peter Meadow, or I'm not sure if that's that's right. Um, like biology envy is there such a thing? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, academics generally, I think, seek status just like anybody else does. But I, I don't want to go into that too much. Mm. I, the reason I thought of it is because you know you had this uh, interview last year, I think, with Jordan Peterson, and I noticed he's that was very funny. We watched that on here. Like I don't like Richard Dawkins, but at one point during the interview, Richard Dawkins looks looks right at Jordan Peterson and says something along the lines of, "I know you're saying words, but you're not saying anything." It was amazing just watching this kind of crotchety old man, fucking just not having not having it from Jordan Peterson. 
<laughs> differently when he spoke to you to how he normally does. He elevated language. And it, it, I wondered, like, oh, I wonder if these guys who I, I see you guys as like very high up, you know, successful, intelligent, uh, also have... Oh, I think Dawkins probably doesn't agree. I don't know. Did you sense that at all? Oh, um, say that again. I'm not sure I got that. You said he, mm. he spoke differently. He used... Um, um, often he's doing sort of his YouTube and stuff and he's speaking to... Uh, I suppose people like me, uh, lay people, um, and he's, he's uh, the gullible. He's speaking to gullible people. Shorter words, and when he was speaking to you, some of the sentences I found a little bit word salady. I find I find it very interesting, uh, but it was wait, I, it's word salad. But I also this guy's a dumb fuck. That's word salad, but I also find it very interesting. No, 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 no. Being dumbfounded by something is very different than it being interesting quite know what he's and i noticed the same when he spoke to stephen fry and i thought when he speaks to you and stephen fry is he elevating his language and maybe there's this sort of competitiveness i wouldn't want to comment on that individual um yeah dawkins is like i don't want to like i don't like dawkins and shit but he knows better he's like i don't want a bunch of fucking incels coming after me <laughs> fuck that just that i myself change my language when i'm speaking to when i'm writing for children, I, when I've, I've written a couple of books for for young people. Um, She's talking about code switching. We all do it. We all do it. It's part of how you socialize. You're going to code switch. You're going to talk to somebody at um differently at a bar maybe than you will. I don't know if you're applying for a job. It's called code switching. We all fucking do it. And then when I'm writing for profession well adults let's say um i without really thinking about it if if i read the, those books i notice that my vocabulary does change you 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 have in your mind i think a a, a, a an audience a sort of hypothetical audience and it does change the way you the way you speak the way you uh write it does for me with regards to uh we were talking about you know the binary women and men and the, the idea that you can think that you're a man and be a man or think you're a woman. Did you see that coming at all, like 10, 20 years ago? Not at all, no. Like, it, it is odd. Uh, I, I think it's lunatic, actually. I mean, it's, it's, it's verging on insanity. Um, so I did not see that coming. I mean, I, I could have imagined writing a satirical novel about it, <laughs> but that's about it. Yeah. I remember Ricky Gervais makes a joke about that when he, he says... Uh, I think it was just that. It was like the one thing nobody said 10 years ago. That would be the worst thing you can say on Twitter is women don't have penises. Now that's that would get you... you yeah, know. yeah. Um, no, that'll Elon Musk will now like elevate your account for that. Well, the only thing I can think to, to, to top that is identify as a, as a dog. I mean... <laughs> I can imagine now there'll be so many angry comments even, even now just from this. And I just don't... I don't know. It's a weird thing. I, I want to respect everybody. Identify as a dog. Everybody, but it just really is something that... Okay, so is there any... Is there, if you have to really stretch your mind, is there any scientific backing for the concept of somebody's... Like there's a woman brain and a man brain and some... Oh, there might be that. There might uh, be that. But but to, to go from that to saying because you, you have a, a female outlook on life or something... <clears throat> Uh, therefore, you are a woman. I mean, that, that is Well, just but then again, this is the difference between your, <clears throat> your physical characteristics <clears throat> and, like, what you believe um, 
is socially constructed uh, around gender and how you fit into that. These are two fucking entirely different things. Language. Um, it's, it's one thing. It's perfectly legitimate to say, I, I'm a man, but I feel a certain feminine attitude to things. I, th- I feel perhaps I think like a, like a woman. That's fine. I mean, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't worry me at all. But to then say, therefore, I am a woman is just a, a, a betrayal of language. Of, 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 but language always evolves. I'd love to have a linguist on to talk about these kinds of things because language changes truth and the and the, the virtues of of honest communication i find the ideology very conservative because it it, it tells Wait, me that if my son uh wants to play with things that are typically feminine or stereotypically feminine then they have to change to fit in they have to become- wait no 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 but that's not what anybody's saying i mean you can find some dumb fuck on twitter saying anything i suppose <clears throat> but that's not that's not what any of this is about tin with yeah. that yes i quite agree Ah, it's a crazy thing, really. So, okay, so if we are just to go out there a bit, I mean, are there aspects of brains that are, are male and, and, and typically female? Probably. Uh, I don't know much about it. I, I, I wouldn't wish to deny that. Um, but it, well, it's even Andrew Gold's way of talking about it is dumb, too. The idea that, like, <clears throat> the, the, it's essentially you swapped out a, a female brain and popped it into a man's skull or whatever. That's a fucking very dumb way to talk about it too. But this Andrew Gold guy, the more the more content we we're, we watch of him, the the more the more I realize is that um, I don't I don't think he's very thoughtful, or I think he's playing to the audience that he's gathered through this sort of. A fake smart person uh, spiel that he puts on. Not a very profound observation. I, I, I think that you can you can find um, aspects of feminine sympathy in some male people, and vice versa. And 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 it would be surprising if that were not so. But as as I said, but to to, to go from that to the positive statement, "I am a woman," um, is is verging on insanity. Hmm. Is it dangerous? No. Well, I think that um, it, it, pe- people who, who certain people like um, Kathleen Stock and J.K. Rowling have have suffered in their lives and their careers. Um, uh, J.K. Rowling lives in a fucking castle as a consequence of speaking out. And Kathleen Stock, nobody even heard of her until she decided she was going to be, until she like said some froggy shit about trans people and then wouldn't listen. And then people, people rightfully like were talking shit to her. And then she went on the, I've been canceled tour, but then her, her grift didn't actually work. She, it was failure to grift for her, but like nobody even knew who the fuck she was before that. So I'm not sure that it hurt her career. Because like her, she's a public figure now, and I think she probably even after her like I've been canceled tour went over. I bet she, I bet she, her income is higher now than when she was a professor. And, and in on behalf of women, um, and th- th- they so far haven't, I think, actually suffered physical yeah. danger. But they, some of them have come close to it. The saddest part about J.K. Rowling is that she was um, uh, abused by her first husband, um, left in the street in in a, a pool of her own blood, 
in I Portugal. I didn't know that. Yeah, mm. before she wrote Harry Potter. Um, and she had a very difficult time during that time. So for her, it's a really personal thing yes. uh, about yeah. women's and, and then maybe, maybe uh, Ms. Rowling, uh, Joanne, I believe is her name, could take a look at some statistics on uh, of violence um, and, and how it impacts the trans community and uh, maybe empathize a little bit with the trans community as it pertains to being the victims of uh, violent attacks. Changing rooms yes. and things like I that. I did not know that. It's so mm. sad. It's so mm. sad to think that. And then she's, yeah. she, the Harry Potter stuff, I mean, it's an, it's an analogy for the, the Nazis. I, I don't know. Have you read Harry Potter? I have, yes. Did you I, enjoy I, it? I didn't know. Well, yes, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I held out against it for a while, but then I, I discovered that Stephen Fry was reading it and yes. I, I can't, I can't resist Stephen Fry. And so, so, so I, I, I listened to him and, and, um, I liked it. I mean, she, Quite a lot of what I like is that she's actually sending up the the, the magical stuff. I mean, the, the, um, it's it's kind of satirical. I didn't know it had anything to do with the Nazis. That, that that's oh the whole well as it goes further into the whole mythology. I think there's like the good and the bad and the pure bloods. Uh, okay, I, I must carry on. I was, I've, I've only read the first two or three books, I think. Oh, uh, they develop. It's funny because it's so brilliant. So I, I, I'm going to show off now, right? So I, re- I can speak five languages, and each each time I learned a new one, I did it through Harry Potter in oh, right. Spanish yes. or yeah. French. So mm. there's the seven or I think it's seven books. I'm not sure. And what's brilliant about it as a language tool is they start very much for children. They're like a, for an, a reading age of eleven or twelve, and the the writing becomes a little bit more complex. Yes, it's not. Dostoevsky at any point, but it's uh, uh, it, it starts to get there by the by the final book. You're really in this big epic about uh, oh, this guy pretends he's read Dostoevsky. Imagine that they all pretend they've read that shit. The the bad people who want everyone to have the pure blood, you know, like the okay. Nazis. Okay, yes, that yeah. sounds very interesting. Mm, so I shall I shall resume. Yes, my my Stephen Fry listening. <laughs> He's great, Stephen Fry. Yes. I heard him talk a little bit about about doing those audiobooks, and there were certain words he was tripping over. But like, yeah, there's so many works of fiction that are an allegory for fascism, or can be read as an allegory for fascism. I heard, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> he asked J.K. Yeah. Rowling, yeah. "Can I do different words?" And she said, "No." Yes, <laughs> which fair enough. If you're yes. the writer, you yes. know. Gosh, Stephen Fry, have you d- d- done debates with him? I'm, so, I'm just remembering now because I know he did Intelligence Squared. Was that with you or was Christopher? Hitchens? Yes, it was Christopher Hitchens. Um, I, I've encountered him from time to time. I like him enormously. He's a mm. wonderful man. We should get him. Get him in. I'd yes. love to meet Stephen yes. Fry as well. Mm. Fantastic. I'd love to meet Christopher Hitchens, but he dead. Um, person. So yeah, the J.K. Rowling thing, I think it's really sad. Do you notice, I don't know, uh, there sometimes seems to be different decades where we're a bit more, is the word censorious? Yes. Yeah, we're a bit more censorious for sort of a decade and then then we sort of relax a little bit. Children rebel against their parents. Do do you think that might be what's really going on? Possibly. Yes, could be. What does the... um, the poetry of reality mean? That's your substack at the moment and podcast coming out? Yes. Well, I think um, reality, as understood by science, is amazing and wonderful. And the fact that we can apprehend it, the fact that we can understand it, the fact that we, uh, unlike any of our ancestors up to a century or so ago, two centuries maybe, um, really hadn't a clue why we existed and wh- where we come from. And, and we now have a very good understanding of that. And it's beautiful. I mean, the, the, the beauty of understanding, the poetry of understanding is, is what I mean by science as the poetry of reality. 
I suppose some people could argue, because they used to think stars were, I think, what, holes in the heavens or something. Yes. That, in some senses, that's more beautiful than bubbles of gas. No, it? it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. And why is it because it's, it's truth that it's more beautiful? Well, partly. Well, no, I mean, like, that's stupid. It's not more beautiful because it's true, right? This guy's an idiot. Um, it's more amazing, actually, because of the distances and the uh, mass the just the, few, the 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 sheer scale of it all is um why it's kind of awesome also even, apart from being true the alternative the idea of it being holes in the sky is just so petty it's so small <laughs> it's so it's so um unromantic it's just parochial i sort of wish it were true sometimes oh, come on cuz i want to go i want to continue living well, that's okay. You go on, but, but I mean, you, believing that the stars are <laughs> holes poked in the sky is not going to help you continue living. It's, well, the suggestion would then be like if the heavens were beyond it and it's heavenly light pouring through, the suggestion would be that I then get to ascend to that plane. If you want to go on living, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go and go and live in the in <laughs> the, the heaven of any any religion. <laughs> I It'd be would. Incredibly boring. Yeah, better, well, less boring than the alternative. I doubt it. Really? I doubt it. I always think of like, okay, how, because I, my religion would be, because I'm an atheist as well. And, and I, again, all my viewers start messaging, no, you're not, you're an agnostic because you don't know or something like that. But, I, you know, I think, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm probably an atheist. Um, but well, but I, that's I, because those are not mutually exclusive. Almost every atheist I know is agnostic, right? They're like, I don't know where the universe came from. And I can't really prove to you that there's no supreme being out there, but I don't believe it. There you go. That's atheism and agnosticism all at the same time boom easy it's like what it's like the most common atheism is an agnostic atheism telling going around telling people you know that there's no fucking god because fucking why no that's stupid that's as dumb as telling people you know there is one yeah but my religion is is sort of a thing probably at the back of my head that's going but you're never going to really die so you're going to be um maybe there'll be virtual reality i was thinking about this some sort of virtual reality that makes you experience time when you're in the virtual reality you know you can spend years and years but you're actually lying there in real life for just seconds yes. if they could slow down your mind or something like that so i'm sort of holding out for that wishful thinking or that they'll discover something in quantum physics is there anything there <laughs> i don't think so um i don't know how eric weinstein on next he'll fucking tell you about it he'll use like a toilet paper roll and a fucking rubber band to explain the universe to you it's up to reality never yeah. <laughs> is there a time when that happens did you did you have angst uh younger about about that reality yes i suppose so yes professor paul bloom said recently um um, he was saying that you spend your first half of your life sort of writing your CV and the second half is your, you're writing your eulogy. Does, does, does that resonate with you? No. Um, no, I, I, th I think it, I don't make any distinction between first half and second half. I've been doing the same thing all the time. Hmm. He was trying to make me feel better, I think, about <laughs> getting older. And he was like, yours get used, you'll accept more and you'll look at your sort of... I see, yes. Feel better about getting older. Dude's like 35. Um, yeah, well, um, I, I just carry on thinking I'm about 18 and, 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 and get on getting on with what I do. Yeah, I think that's a, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a good way to do mm -hmm. it. 
the poetry of reality. Tell me a little bit about what that's. I mean, it's a Substack now, right? And then it's going to be a podcast. Uh, yes, um, it is, uh, and I shall be. I'm doing much the same as what you're doing. I think. I mean, I, I shall be interviewing people, um, and probably doing some contributions of my own. Um, maybe writing stuff um, directly uh, and putting up things that I've done before. Putting up um, on on new, the YouTube channel. Putting up. Um, broadcast and things that I've done before. Yeah. Have you got interviewees in mind yet? Because I haven't received my invite yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't given it very much thought, but 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 um, yes, that sounds a good possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Would you get me on? I'd come on. Oh, you would love it, would you? Yeah, of course yeah. I would. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'll go on the Richard Dawkins show too. He won't like it though. I, I yeah. think I can offer a layperson perspective to things. Maybe that's well, what I, you I mean, I, I think we could talk about your your that your Argentinian um, exorcist. Exorcist, yes, that would be very good. I would be up for that. You've yes. had, you've had to say yes because I've cornered you now. Yeah, yeah. I won't get an email back yeah. later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at some of the discussions that are on your Substack because I think these are really interesting, and maybe we can go. It's into only been th open for about a day, hasn't it? I think. I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, is there a discussion? I, if I write something on my blog, is it a discussion? That's a weird way a discussion. Isn't it just a fucking news, uh, like an article? At least, you know, I'm yeah, checking out okay. all this stuff. Isn't a discussion to people or more? I don't know. <laughs> if you, okay. Is that the dialogue? This? Scientists in the US and Canada banned the words women, mother, and father. No, they didn't. Um, oh, that's not one of yours, actually. That's just me saying it, isn't it? They are some oh, that, that they didn't. Nobody banned anybody saying that. Words. I never said that. Yes. Yeah, that was just me. Um, <laughs> my notes were mixed up. Yes. There are some words that... I suppose they go into the other side of your brain, I'm told. Again, you'll know more about this than I will, but I remember, again, Stephen Fry put his hand in some cold water, and if he swore a lot, it enabled him to do it for longer. And I think the reasoning was that these words were in a sort of... They weren't in the language, they were sort of on the other... I see. Does, does that make yeah, sense? I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I just assume you'll... I'll assume you'll know all the science-y mm -hmm. things. You could just uh, put your hand in cold water for longer while you're swearing. If you believe it, then you'll probably be able to keep your hand in the water longer because you believe that you will be able to do it. Your mind is kind of, your mind, your brain is kind of a crazy thing, actually. Kind of interesting. It's different um, domains, isn't it? Um, and those words apparently go into the, the other side, um, swear words, sacred words. You, you might not say, uh, or I know I'm not allowed to say the N word, for example. Is that- Oh, but you probably want to. Reasonable. I know nothing about um, what what is is what reasonable that that we shouldn't say the n word. Well, I think you have to. Yes, I mean, I, th I think it's reasonable. Yes. Yeah. Or there's oh, well, good. Well, we will take the small victory there where we can get it. I suppose for gay people. Okay. A right. Bundle of sticks. Yes, I had to think about that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Those are like well, that's the interesting. That, this was also John Matt Water actually. Yes. Um, he was saying that these sacred words change. I love the linguistic stuff. And he yes. was saying that sacred words change over time. Yes. So uh, it was um, bodily functions, fuck, shit, hell, I don't mind saying these. It's not going to get my YouTube taken down. Uh, oh, no, first was the religious ones. Hell, damn, those kinds of things. Yes. Then it was shit and fuck. They became the, yes. uh, they were, as we moved on as a society. And then it became identity. That's been the last 30, 40 years. As long as Wait, but while all, those, while all that other stuff exists, there were slurs for people who were different than you. It's just that, <clears throat> just that, and people, some people didn't use slurs. They thought it was wrong back, way back when. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, that's yes. we've moved into that, and it's 
I guess some of us were trying to come to terms with it, but they've become sacred like any other religion. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah. I said, like, well, what will be next? And he said, you never know, but it could be something like related to climate change as that's going to become incredible. He said, uh, yes. imagine calling somebody a windmill. <laughs> yes, that's interesting. <laughs> I like that. Mm. Yeah, I love thinking about those those th those kinds of things, but with the linguistics. I do so too, it, yes. it might just be a temporary a temporary phase with this identity thing. Yes, yes, it might. And there, yeah, it might be a temporary well, phase where we just don't use the N word. Just maybe it's just a phase. <laughs> it always comes. It often comes from a good place, doesn't it? Yes, I think it does. There once existed a single individual female who was the most recent ancestor shared by you and a baboon. That one individual female had two individual children, one of whom is your ancestor, the other is the baboon's ancestor. Discuss. Yes, I'm interested in that. It's another of these things that's got to be true, but but you can't. It's, off, it's difficult to see why, <laughs> yeah, it's, why yeah. it's true. Um, since we do have a common ancestor with baboons, um, you have to go back and back and back and back. And sooner or later, you're going to hit one individual mother who had these two children. Uh, and um, then we're both descended from her mother and her mother and her mother. But there has to have been one point, which was the branch point. And um, I, I'm not sure that's thing. true. I think it might be like a, like a, like a group of uh, primates. I'm not sure that's true. I'd have to, I'd have to look into that. Individual, and not just baboon, but snail. Uh, our common ancestor with a snail, which was way, way back in the Precambrian. Um, and there has to have been an individual, which would, would have been, goodness knows, some kind of worm, I suppose. Um, and, and we're descended from one child of that individual, and snails are descended from the other oh, one. Wow. Yeah. Not just snails, but but insects and and crustaceans and spiders and and wait a minute, no, 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 and, and on, I mean on the other side, I don't know, on, but on, I, on I feel like it's not like that. I feel like I feel like the descent, the descendants would be like a grouping of of worms or a grouping of primates or a grouping of whatever it is he's talking about here. I don't think it would be a single individual. I think. Like groupings, a grouping of of worms or primates or whatever that uh, breeded with each other, and then and then turned, then those all breeded with each other. I don't think it's I don't think it's like like he's saying here. I don't I don't think it's like he's saying here at all. It that there's no way it it has to be like a grouping. Our side would be starfish and sea urchins and, and tunicates and things. The way my childish mind works is I'm seeing like a snail having sex with a starfish. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> I know. My mind creates a cartoon of, yes. of everything. Yes. So, so, but I guess it was just all, so there's, I guess, there's, does that mean there's one baboon that all of us have come from? No, one, one individual that, that all of us came from and baboons came from. I mean, they're, they're modern animals just as much as we are. We, we didn't come from them. Oh. <laughs> well, you know that. Yes, I know that. I, yeah. know, I, know. I don't give it much thought. I, yes. There's things I know, and then many years later, I don't know them anymore. Yes. I, need to, I need to be reminded of, of them. Um, if there, I think this is just, oh no, this is you as well. If there is extraterrestrial life, it's, it's nice getting your questions. I don't have to come up with questions. If there is extraterrestrial life, no matter how strange an alien it may be, there is one thing it will have in common with Earth life. It will be Darwinian. Yes, what you're doing is you're quoting 
I, I, on my Substack, I mm -hmm. put up a, a sort of manifesto, and the thought. I, well, then that's not really a question. You're just quoting back what this guy said. Way to do it was to put up a series of statements like that, um, just one after another. I think about about twenty of them, probably. Yeah, every one blew my mind. And 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 so that that's that. And you you've been reading out a couple of them, and very nice too. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and that one was yes. If there is life elsewhere, and there almost certainly is. Then it will be Darwinian. However strange it is, however alien it is, however hard it is for us to imagine the details of what it's like, I stick my neck out and say that the one thing we can say about it, it will be Darwinian. It, it will have evolved by a version of Darwinian natural selection. I think that's the only possible way in which complexity, mm. the sort of complexity we associate with life, could come into being. Such a fascinating thing. That's thought. open to, to re refutation by somebody who could think of a better way. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, we only know that one way. Yes. So we have a confirmation bias. Yes, exactly. It's, it's difficult to imagine. I suppose one other possibility, although it has, I sp this is a cheat, I suppose, would be artificial life that was created by... Oh, yes, definitely. And, and, but, but that ultimately comes from a, a Darwinian source. So, uh, yes, not just artificial life, but, but the technology generally, which, which has many of the attributes of life, the complexity of life, um, does not evolve itself necessarily. You could make a case that it does, but, it, but I wouldn't want to make a strong case for it. But if there is advanced technology on a planet, then ultimately that will have to have come from a Darwinian life form that designed it. That's a really interesting thought. Mm -hmm. Do you give much thought to the... Um is it the Fermi paradox? Um, Where are they? Yes. Where is everybody? Yes. Um, Fermi, the, the physicist who, who said, "Who said, where is where is everybody?" <laughs> um, and um, he was wondering why they haven't made contact with us, why we haven't picked picked them up. Um, you shouldn't you shouldn't wonder why they haven't arrived, and we're, we're never going to meet them in person. I think the distances are too great, but. Um, it's a worthwhile enterprise to scan the heavens for um, messages, and it's an active SETI. is the, 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 the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Mm. SETI is an active project, which is, I think, well worth financing. Do you think then that when the Navy, I know the last couple of years there's been some news about they've spotted UFOs and things like that, do you think that might be just uh, wishful thinking? Uh, yes, I, I don't believe that. Uh, I, th I think that, the, that if there is ever a first contact, it will come by radio or by electromagnetic radiation of some sort. Hmm. Is that because again, I don't know much about radio and electromagnetic. Is that just the standard that they would use as well? Well, no. It's it's it, it's that that it, it it travels at the speed of light and, and it broadcasts in all, in all directions at the speed of light, and therefore, um, uh, since the, such huge distances that are involved. You, you would not expect that, that an actual physical spacecraft would happen to come here. There are just too many other places for it to come to. And, and the, 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 the probability of, 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 of this, this one, one place in the universe, Earth, being the target of, a, of an actual mission is too, is too low. But if it's being broadcast outwards mm. from some point source, um, then yes, it, it would, it's not unlikely that we would be along with everybody, everybody else, every other part of the universe, um, bathed in this message. And so we would pick it up. And yet, silence. So far, but then 
we haven't had the technology to listen to it for very long. And um, uh, I, I think there's quite a lot of hope that we will pick up something. Do you think that would be the greatest discovery of all time? Probably, yes. And certainly you could make a good case for that. Would you accept? <clears throat> but like, how do we even know <clears throat> that, that uh, like a species from another world would communicate in a way that we could decipher? If they came down and if they actually came here, but killed us all quite quickly and painlessly, that it might be worth it just for the moment of awe. Well, I, I no, I don't think that. Uh, um, but like I that scene in the Terminator, in Terminator Two, they would be able to get here. Yeah. I mean, if if they picked up a, re, a a return message from us, it would probably take a thousand years to get that to them, and and so there's, it's it's not a thing you can worry about actually physically coming here. Except this is incorrect, actually. We are not only trying to receive broadcasts, uh, SETI is also broadcasting. Not just SETI, we're just putting off a bunch of fucking, putting off a bunch of fucking radio waves. Like, they, yeah, they're, they're, it's not, we're not just sitting here listening. They've been planning it for so long uh, in secret, and they use, like, wormholes or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well... Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't know enough physics to talk about that. I suppose something that's more imminent and likely is, is maybe AI. People worry about AI, artificial intelligence. Yes. I don't, one thing I don't get, everyone's talking about, okay, my, we need to, the problem of alignment. We have to align our concerns with theirs or, you know, so that they want to do good for humanity, which in itself is impossibly difficult because every human wants something slightly different um, and that if we get it wrong once and they're able to self-duplicate or whatever it might be yes. self-improve that we're done that's it yes but i don't understand why ai would want to get rid of us or, ki or, or kill us well it would depend upon what sort of aims were built into them i suppose um you could you could say if you build into them maximize the total happiness and minimize the total suffering in the world. Well, that would kill us. It might. <laughs> uh, you you could, could make a case for it, I think. Oh, my. Is that what you were going to say when I yes. interrupted you? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, just a point that, that, that um, uh, depending upon what the utility function you build in is, uh, you could... Um, but but um, this is very speculative, I'd it's a very, it's a really, it makes for a really sort of creepy dystopian novel that this idea that we're, we're doing you good. Like, oh, I suppose that's how, is it how 3000 in the two? Hal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. Um, um, do you know how Hal got his name, by the way? No. It's, it's IBM one, one um, letter back in, in the. Uh, oh, no way. The, yes. H I. Oh, I believe you. Yes, I, IBM. <laughs> he had to back, check back the, uh, he had to check the alphabet um, in his head. Um, good job, Andrew. Wow. Did that reflect concerns that IBM building all this computer stuff w would be the end of us? No, I don't think so. I, I, think, it, I think it was just a little little joke that, that, mm. that Arthur C. Clarke thought of at the time. It's creepy, though, isn't mm. it? Mm. I'm afraid I can't let you do that. Or yes, yes, yes. Are you yes. good at accents? Uh, mm, no, I don't think so. Do you think an AI can be sentient? I think I've got to say yes, um, but, um, but, but because we are, and we are built of physical stuff, and so there has to be some way in which uh, whatever it is that our brain has that makes us sentient must be simulatable in uh, a computer 
medium. So if we built another Richard Dawkins just right here with all exactly the same stuff, he could even have your memories. That is a fascinating thought. I think that's got to be true. Um, and then the question, philosophers like that kind of thought experiment and you start to worry about things, wonder about things like, um, would we be, the, would we be exactly the same? I, I think, the, would we diverge from that point? I suppose we would initially have exactly the same experiences and feelings. Um, and, um, would one of us feel the pain of, if you stuck a pin in one, would, would the other one feel the pain? I think the answer to that is probably no. Um, and as time goes on, our experiences would drift apart and we would no longer be the same person. These are, I think it's quite a good thing that philosophers do this kind of thing. It's one of the things they do that I think is, is quite worthwhile, these sorts of thoughts, thought experiments, impossible thought oh, yeah. experiments like that. Well, one of the first things about philosophy I read, I must have been about seven years old, and I read this book, and I don't remember what it was. Maybe someone will write in and tell me, but it was pink. And I seem to remember there was like an elephant on it, but it was for teenagers to read, I think, or, ch or children. And it had this thing where this story where people go to Mars to sort of uh, mine for whatever they're mining in Mars every day for work, they're commuting. So they were getting into a machine and it transports them there right away, like in Star Trek or whatever it is. And then you're on Mars and you come to realize what it's actually doing is destroying you and rebuilding you as a clone, I suppose, on the other planet. And now you can't get home, you know, and it, the question is, would you then, would you then walk into it and Mm -hmm. and, and go back yes. home. Yes, it's one of a family of thought experiments which I find interesting. Would you? I, I need notice of that question. Yeah, I think I would. I would. I would just have to stay on Mars because mm, yes. I don't think that one of me that's created on Earth. I, w I don't think I'd be aware of that existence. Yes. No, you wouldn't be aware of it. No. Make sure to get the poetry of reality. Get it on Substack now, and it's going to be coming out. So check that out. That was <clears throat> boring. That was boring and kind of like. I don't know. I guess boring is what I was going to say. We're not always um, going to going to get good ones here for the intellectual dollar tree because I don't pre-watch everything. I kind of like to make sure that my uh, reaction to it is genuine. Yeah, it was a little bit boring, but at least it wasn't long. Um, so I guess that's the show. Um, we're going to keep an eye on Andrew Gold. He is. We're going to see how this uh, attempt to join what's left of the IDW goes for this guy. But next week, I promise it won't be another Andrew Gold. And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, next week will be the second to the last intellectual Dollar Tree of uh, 2023. So we might start doing a little bit of a retrospective of the year uh, next week. We'll see. We'll see if me and HK have time to start working on that. Um, anyway, that's been the podcast part of the show. Thanks for listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. If you are listening to that and you want the rest of the show, you can hit up patreon.com slash echoplex or eplex.store. Sign up at the $5 level or higher. And to your inbox every Thursday will be the entire show, including the post game. Um, you'll also get the entire show for everything else, plus some other goodies. And of course, you can check it out live every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Pacific twitch.tv slash echoplex media if you're watching live you know just hang out we're gonna play a song and go into the post game and i promise no more andrew gold tonight this is boomers by periscope change the color of the lights in this room and uh change the content of my beverage
Like what we're doing here at Echoplex Media? Well, head on over to echoplexmedia.com support. There are a bunch of great ways to support this project. My favorite, always, is the merch.